Well, good afternoon, everybody. Today we are going to be continuing our study on the attributes of God. Um, going to be part three on the goodness of God, and this will be the last video on this particular attribute. And so, before we open, uh, before we continue, let's open with a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you that we have the ability to look at your truths that you re revealed through us through your word, and that we get to see a glimpse of how great you are, how glorious you are, by being able to look at your attributes and how your attributes can be clearly seen throughout history. And we just pray now that we would focus in on what you have to have for us to learn, and we just thank you for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. And so, as I said, we're going to be continuing on this attribute, and we've defined the goodness of God in the past videos and we've also seen how it applies in different ways to different people it applies to all creatures through common grace through unbelievers through common grace and we kind of looked extensively at that and then we also looked closely at how it applies to believers but very closely how the special grace applies to believers that is salvation through Jesus Christ and the rest is common grace um, the life and preservation here on earth and so with that let's answer a few more questions about the goodness of God or things that relate to it and so one of the questions that you may get asked in your life is why does he answer prayer that is why does God answer prayer and you probably know my answer because we're in the study right it's because he is good and in Psalm 107 we see this pretty clearly and some would call this an exposition of God's goodness. Now, right here in verse 1, this is again Psalm 107, it says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Right? So, right from the beginning, we see that he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever. And so, let's keep reading all the way to 6. And it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east, from the west, from the north, and from the south. Some wandered into desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. And catch this, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. And so again, we ask the question, why did he answer their prayer? Right here in verse 16, they cried out to the Lord. That is, we would say, praying to God in their time of trouble, and he delivered them from that distress. And he did this because of verse 1. Remember, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and his steadfast love endures forever, right? And then we could continue on and read, but I'll just skip right to verse 13, right? So trouble happens, and then it says, Then they cried out to the Lord and in their trouble, and he delivered them from distress. Right there in verse 13 again. And why did he do this? Because he is good. Then you could continue on to verse 19, and it says this, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress, right? Then again, in verse 28, it says, Then they cried out to the Lord in trouble, and he delivered them from distress. And he does this, why, right? Because he is good. 
Um, as verse 1 says, I'll give thanks to the Lord for he is good. And so we clearly see this through the psalm, that he answers prayer and he does this because he is good. Um, and so when you think about this, when he delivers you, after you call on him and he delivers you from the distresses of this world as you lean on God for strength and comfort, be sure to praise and give thanks to him and his goodness for doing so. Again, read verse 1. Have it memorized in those times when God delivers you out of certain situations. And you can say, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And so, that is why God answers our prayers. In short, uh, a short answer, that is. So, God is also very good in his plans for us, right? In Ephesians 2.10, we read this. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so, right, God had prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So his plans are good for our life. But we can also see this in Romans 8.28, a pretty classic text. And it says... And through 29, it says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. Our brethren. And so, we see this as we are being conformed to the image of his Son, right? God's plan for our lives to be conformed to the image of his Son. And I really like this illustration that came across in my readings, and it was of Michelangelo, right? And so when he was creating the statue of David, people asked him how he did it, right? How did he create such a marvelous piece of work of art, right? A statue. And he said this, he says, He removed everything that did not look like David. Then all that was left was David. And so, right, and that's what God is doing to us. He is conforming us to the image of his son. He is taking away all the things of this world that do not look like Jesus. And he, so that way, when he is done, we will look more like Jesus. We will be conformed to the image of his son. And so he has good plans for us. He, he has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So he is good in those plans. And so when we're talking about the goodness of God, and if you ever read about the goodness of God through many authors who talk about it, one of the things that will come up inevitably is the severity of God. And so we're going to talk about these two together and we're going to tackle this. Why do they bring up the severity of God? And so we can actually turn to Romans eleven twenty two, and we need to read this. And it says this, Romans eleven twenty two. it says, Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Some versions say the goodness uh, and severity of God. Uh, severity, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you provided you, uh, provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off, right? And so right here, Paul He's taking both the severity and the goodness of God, or kindness, as he says, 
and he's putting them together in the same verse, making sure that we understand fully both of them working together. And this is very important. And this is very important, right? Because we do not want, as J.I. Packer calls it, a celestial, a celestial Santa Claus view in this world, right? Um, we have a God who is good, and we have a God who wants to please us, and we have a God who gives us many things, right? We talked about that in the um, common grace, right? Everything is from God, and some of it is abundance, in abundance. So we have to be careful not to get the celestial Santa Claus view in our minds. So we have to pair it with also the severity of God. And so, with this celestial Santa Claus view, there is no sin in this worldview, right? There's no judgment, there's no command, there is just a good God, okay? And so the problem with this view is it can't really cope with evil in the world, right? Because there is just good, that's all there is. But what's the big problem with that, right? It ignores sin. And when you ignore sin, right, the cross loses its meaning, right? Why did Jesus come down to save sinners if there's no evil or sin in this world? So, that is the big problem with having just, just purely looking at the goodness of God and ignoring the severity of God. So we need to be careful to look at both hand in hand as Paul does here in this verse in Romans eleven twenty two. So why does he put severity, the severity and goodness of God together, right? So people do not separate them. We can't just look at the goodness of God. We need to see it working with the severity. So we can't just look at his goodness and separate him from any of his judgments. And he says, right, God cuts off those who do not, who do not believe with severity, right? I'm just going to read it again. Note then the kindness and severity of God, of God, severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you too will be cut off, right? So, J.I. Packer again says this. He says, those who decline to respond to God's goodness by repentance and faith and trust and submission to his will cannot wonder or complain if sooner or later the tokens of his goodness are withdrawn the opportunity of benefiting from them ends and retribution supervenes right so you cannot complain if you are denying the fact of god's repentance and putting or you deny putting your repentance and faith and trust and submission to god's will that is believe in jesus christ you cannot wonder or complain if sooner or later those tokens of his goodness are withdrawn and the opportunity from benefiting from them ends and you are and the retribution for them supervenes. And so, right, we need to see both hand in hand. Yes, God is good. We've gone through that for two whole lessons now, but God is also severe. There is a severity to God. And to those who are walking away from him, turning their backs on him and denying him as their Lord and Savior. But here's the thing, right? God is patient 
with his severity, right? And we can see this in a lot of different texts, and we can see this in our own lives, really. So Nehemiah 9.17 says this, They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them, but they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive, gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them, right? What a patient God we have. Also, Psalm 103, 8 says, The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He is slow to anger, right? And abounding in steadfast love. And then finally, 2 Peter 3, 9 says this, The Lord is slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance, right? So here we have a beautiful picture of God who is not wishing that any should perish, right? But, uh, but that all should reach repentance, right? That is the goal. He does not want people to walk away from him or turn their back on him. He wants them to reach repentance, and though he is very patient in waiting for that. He is patient towards us. But those who ultimately do not choose God's goodness get his severity and should not be wonder or be just should not wonder why they are getting that when he is so patient with them. They are rebelling against a good God, and therefore they get his severity. And so, right, we must have a good outlook on the goodness of God, and we must pair it with the severity of God. And really, the big thing to remember is this Romans eleven twenty two passage. Um, it really speaks to how we need to balance those two out in our lives, or at least how we should view them um, in context to God's goodness, his goodness and severity. So in closing, we need to look at different ways in how we can apply what we have been learning in our own lives, right? About how we can apply the goodness and severity of God to our lives. So the first thing is going to be that we need to appreciate the goodness of God. That is, don't take anything for granted, right? Life and the preservation of life is all part of God's common grace. How wonderful is it that God has given us so much in this life? Um, everything, jobs, family, friends, anything you can think of, God has given that to you. And we need to appreciate and praise God for that. And the other thing, even more important, is appreciate and praise him for his special grace on your life. That is, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And in Psalm 116, we read something very important that the psalmist says. So that's 116, 12 through 8. And I'll read that real quick. It says... What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift um, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will repay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. 
Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all the people. And then verse 19, in the courts of the house of the Lord in your midst of Jerusalem. Praise the Lord, right? So God has saved us through Jesus Christ, and we need to take time to praise the Lord. Just notice how many times he says praise the Lord there. And so um, we need to be careful to do that. And so we need to appreciate the goodness of God, uh, his common grace and his special grace for those who are believers. Then we also need to appreciate the patience of God. And so think about how much he has had to deal with you and still has to. We think of my own life, right? And we talked about the severity of God and the goodness of God and how God has patience in his severity towards people. And think about Think about this for a second. How many times did you hear the gospel before you accepted it? So, aren't you glad that he was so patient with you? And have you, do you praise him often for the patience of God in your own life? Give praise to that. For you are for God who is patient with his servants. And the, so he is patient, or appreciate his goodness, appreciate a patience of God and then appreciate the discipline of God so God does not let us wander off right he is patient with us and often sometimes severe he keeps us on the straight path though right sometimes you have to put a little thorn in our sides and it hurts and it's uncomfortable and we don't like it but in the end those little thorns sometimes big thorns they lead us closer to the ar into the arms of a loving Father. So we need to praise and thank Him even for those things, even though at times it hurts. And so with that, remember those things. Appreciate the goodness of God, appreciate the patience of God, and appreciate the discipline or severity of God in our own lives as He draws us closer to Him through those times. And with that, let's close in a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you for everything you do for us. Um, we just thank you that you are good, and we just thank you that we could get a better glimpse of your goodness today um, and what that means um, and how it applies to our lives. And I pray that now that we know how it applies to our lives, I pray that we would actually apply it to our life, that we would always be appreciating your goodness and that we would be appreciating the patience that you have for us in this world and that you had and that you were patient with us to the point of salvation we just always are praise and thanking you for your special grace on our lives for those who believe and we also just appreciate that you keep us on the straight path that when we're veering too far when we veer off the path that you bring us back and even though sometimes it's uncomfortable we thank you that ultimately we know that we can re lean on and rely on you to get us through the many situations in this world. And we just thank you again for everything you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen.